Snow Wellness Podcast, your weekly connection with intuitive counselor and snow wellness founder, Kevin Snow. This is the place to investigate your deepest and most pressing questions, gain tools to help you live a more mindful and intentional life, and receive a little peace of mind. Now here's Kevin and host Sarah Kennedy. All right, for today's final section, we have questions from all y'all. So if you have any sort of burning questions, deep pressing stuff that you'd like to uh, to get some perspective on from Kevin himself, uh, please reach out to us. If you are a subscriber to the newsletter, you can reply directly to that newsletter and we can get those questions through email. You can also follow us on Twitter or Instagram at at snowwellness, all one word, all lowercase, and uh, reach out via DM there. Um, But this one actually comes to us from a newsletter subscriber. This is from Hannah. And uh, she says, Hi, Kevin. I've enjoyed your emails over these past few months. Your newsletter last week mentioned taking actions on goals, specifically about being intentional and mindful when it comes to goal setting and using our spiritual practices to help us stay focused and calm. I was hoping you could expand on this a little bit more and help with some concrete ways to help me with setting and achieving clear goals. Thanks for all you do, Hannah. Thank you, Anna. Um, definitely. Uh, I like the conversation about goals because basically we can kind of work that into our original conversation here about awareness and, and how that goals basically emerge from somewhere. And so a lot of times goals will emerge from a place of busyness and confusion. And then we wonder why things don't get done. And so we make these lists and we do these things and then we're like, wow, I got maybe one thing done on my list. And, and so what I like to do when I start working with a client and um, like this is that I like to come to a place of a foundational understanding. And so like we did that earlier and having this foundational understanding of who we are. And then from that place, the right action emerges. And so that's what the goals become is the right action that emerges from knowing who I am and knowing what I'm doing. And so that's kind of a passion and a purpose as some people describe that. And, and so when I start a session with somebody, I start it first with the question, what is your intention? And so what that'll do is it'll kind of activate the spirit guidance as well. And the spirit guides will then tell me what their intention is for this person in the session. And then I will relate that to the person and they person will tell me, this is, um, this is what I intend. And they're usually bringing their busyness and their confusion to that intention. And so oftentimes it'll kind of culminate in, I'd like to have some more clarity. (laughs) And so what we'll do is we'll then look into the chakra system. So I use to assess a person, I use this and for Hannah, what I would do is essentially say, we're going to look into your chakras and see which one the spirit guys want to work on. And from that, I can get information. So I know basically what the content of each chakra is. We can definitely, in, you know, further podcasts kind of delve deeper into that world as well. But, um, but then I can kind of get in a general idea that if the spirit guys are working in your second chakra, that there's something relational that needs to get worked out. And so that can be relationship with work, relationship with self, relationship with others. And and so that can give us a focus. And then from that focus, we can start creating the impetus for the goals. 
And then usually what we'll do is then we'll set kind of a bigger intention and we'll work our way backwards to what would be our first step. And so, um, so we'll get the, the chakra and then we talked a little about bodies, the physical, emotional, mental, spiritual. So we'll kind of hone into that as well. So we would say essentially that we need to work in the physical body in the second chakra. And so that then gives me a direction to say, well, there might be something going on with the adrenal and the cortisol complex that's essentially you know, connected to the kidney meridian, connected into that second chakra. And that might be really helpful for that individual <laughs> to then say, I don't have the energy to do the things that I want to do. And then we can actually get some really baseline things like we can take a supplement or we can do a guided meditation or we can do something very physically based that can help get the energy back on track. And then we can look into a lot of times what we're looking into then is, is there a traumatic experience? The shamanic tradition speaks of doing a divin divination and then doing an extraction is what they call it. And then a soul retrieval. And so from that structure, basically, we'll use that structure in the session. And so we'll basically say, is there something in the past? And a lot of times I'll ask, like I'll say, Hannah, is there something that happened when you were six years old that you remember? Just something that stands out. And, and then she'll give feedback on that. And then we'll, we'll work from there. But that often gives us the content that we need to say, okay, now how can we integrate that, that which happened? into the current life experience so that it isn't disparate or disconnected, that it's integrated. And that's actually what the research is calling post-traumatic growth. So we're actually taking people that are in some level of trauma in a, in a PTSD reactivity and taking them through that process again into this growth phase, which then is this kind of bigger picture of what the goals are and how to actually achieve them. <laughs> and so it can take you out of basically the busyness and the confusion and bring you back into a place of, I know who I am, I know what my purpose is, and I am then moving forward with that purpose. And so these things become clearer. And so that's, I like to speak to goals in that way because I really think that those goals are right action that emerges from the trueness of your being. Absolutely. Um, in between sessions, what kind of homework would you give to a person that you're doing this work with? Absolutely. I think the, the homework is really important. And oftentimes I'll, I'll tell a client, like, you need like two or three weeks to digest this information because it's a lot usually all at once on the first session. And, and sometimes people will be very activated, like, can we meet next week and let's keep doing this? And, and so I'll say, you know, no, wait a couple of weeks. And, and what I do is I kind of give a, an assessment based on the chakras and the bodies and that kind of equals to me what essential oils to prescribe and so you know giving that big prescription word but essentially what do i suggest from an essential oil standpoint and like when we're working in the second chakra we usually want to bring calmness so we want to reduce that stress response and that's the cortisol adrenaline complex and nutmeg is a super helpful oil to use for that and so we can apply that to the lower back. You can do that in a diffuser. And so I'll start people on that where they can start actually feeling some of that relaxed state and that kind of calm, clear 
energy that they can move into setting the goals or making the to-do list. And so that just gives a much better foundation. And so there's a lot of different oil recommends from the spirits that essentially say, this is the oil that we would recommend for this chakra at this time with this body. And so we kind of create a prescription, so to speak, of what oils to use. And then I'll usually give a meditation or a breathing exercise. And a lot of times I'll prescribe the pranayama breath, which is breathing in four, holding six, and exhaling eight. And then for the second chakra, that actually can be matched with an internal dialogue of I am okay. And so we just kind of repeat that I am okay, I am okay, I am okay internally while we're breathing in, holding, and exhaling. And that actually interacts again with this metaphysical and physical body to bring that calming to the physical body that can create right action. Great. Awesome. So thank you so much, Hannah, for that question. If you are listening out there and you've got questions, uh, please do not hesitate to reach out to us on Twitter, Instagram, at Snow Wellness, all one word, all lowercase, or also by joining our email newsletter where you also get, you know, a whole bunch of amazing resources and a little bit of Kevin expertise every single week on top of that. Um, Kevin, is there any like parting words or anything you want to leave people with today? Yeah, absolutely. I definitely would like to just kind of allow you to integrate. So, so at the end, this is like if you've experienced a yoga class where you do a Shavasana. So this will be our Shavasana for the podcast. And essentially it'll just be thinking and feeling what we discussed today. Like we said, you know, revisit an area, do that meditation a few times, um, listen essentially to some of the questions that come in. How do they apply to you? And so just in this integration moment, and integration is such a powerful word, that we're taking in new information, information that we already know, things resonating. And just notice what resonated for you within this. And then what might be your action step? And so from that place, we can encourage essentially the quieting of the mind, the clarity that's created, and then what emerges? I had a, a great meditation teacher who was questioned basically, like if we just sit around and meditate all day, how do we get anything done? And, and, he, and he brought that to us basically in a very skillful way, which was if you really do this <laughs> and you really do achieve this calm clarity, you will create an action. It will come, it will come through. And that's how basically this that can be disintegrated these disintegrated parts for whatever reason can be integrated and create that right action step. So that's what I hope for this session and many more that we continue to do. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Kevin. Um, all you listeners out there, please uh, rate and review this wherever you're listening to this podcast. Uh, iTunes would be a great place for it. Uh, if you're listening on Stitcher, that's also another place for rates and reviews. Um, this is a big help. Also sharing it with other people so that we can get as many people help as possible who are looking for it and um, continue uh, doing the good work. So until next week, thank you so much and we'll see you then. Thank you. Bye. Welcome back everybody. For today's third segment, we, as per usual, take listener questions. Uh, you can always reach out to us uh, if, you're a, if you're already a member of the newsletter. 
or a subscriber to the newsletter, you can respond directly to that email that you get every week and ask your question there. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Snow Wellness, all one word, all lowercase, and uh, ask us directly that way. Today's question comes to us from Chris. Chris is also a subscriber to the newsletter. So that's how we got this one. And Chris says, hi, Kevin. I am so glad that you're doing this podcast and I hope you see this question in time. In last week's newsletter, you recommended Carl Jung's The Undiscovered Self. I always love to look into the books that you recommend, but I would also love to hear more about the reason behind recommending Jung's work. Thanks so much, Chris. That is a great question, Chris. If you are not part of our newsletter, uh, what Kevin had actually recommended this week was the book, The Undiscovered Self, The Dilemma of the Individual in Modern Society by Carl Jung. And uh, just this is the description from Amazon where you can get it on hardcover, paperback, or even Kindle if you'd like it. In this challenging and provocative work, Dr. Carl Jung, one of history's greatest minds, argues that civilization's future depends on our ability as individuals to resist the collective forces of society. Absolutely, Chris. Well, uh, I like it. <laughs> no, we'll go more in depth than that. <laughs> so I've always been deeply affected by Jung's work, and it really did um, is inspirational to me, and inspirational. Uh, I tapped into this in the shamanic training, and there's a lot of dream work um, involved in this in that training. And so, um, you know, understanding that there is this metaphysical realm, this non-physical realm, and um, Lots of different names for that. The collective, I think, is one of them that's really important and is mentioned in this book. And, um, you know, this book's kind of some essays that are related to the, um, the discovering of or the intentionality of moving more into the self and moving away from just being so heavily influenced by the collective. And Jung talks about uh, the unconscious. We also call that the subconscious. And in my work, I actually think those two things are the same. And so it is basically that which I am not aware of. And when I bring awareness to it, it comes into the structure of the self. And the structure of the self, um, you'll hear this a lot from me if you're working with me, but the structure of the self, I use the chakras to essentially create that foundation. And so there really is a physical self, an emotional self, a mental self and a spiritual self. And so that, it kind of gives um, credence to the concept of the, the duality that basically sits on a platform of that which is non-dual. And so there's this non-dual place, spiritual is the word we'll use for that. And then this duality place, which is made up of physical and non-physical. In this non-physical world, we in this culture have really lost track of that. And so I think Jung really brought that back into focus. And he did a lot of this work. So I also appreciate that, that he, he went on these journeys and he went to these places and talked to these people and worked with indigenous medicine. And so he wasn't just a person that read it in a book or studied it. He experienced a lot of these things. And so his truth that he's delivering is, I've experienced this and it's helped me. And that's really a foundation of my work. Uh, I've experienced some of these things, practices like we did earlier with the meditation, and, and noticed that it has helped me understand myself better. Uh, it encouraged me to go into a degree in transpersonal psychology. And so now being a clinical 
therapist and I can add that to my training in hypnotherapy, my training in energy work. And so I can kind of bring all these tools together into working with people. And, uh, and Jung has always been this foundation. And so, and I always try and say it different ways just to respect essentially those that say Jung and those that say Jung. <laughs> and so uh, I think it's okay. <laughs> and so from that standpoint, it's, this was a really powerful teacher and it came through at the beginning of this training of what is psychology. So it's a relatively new science essentially. And, and we are still creating and working with the, the branches of psychology and saying, it's interesting, you know, in this, in this training that we go through these phases, like it's all the mind and it's all what we think. And it's what you think is, you know, it's all about feeling and expressing the feelings. And it's all about, um, the physical activity, you know, so my body does this asana and yoga. And so, um, so it's all about the physical. No, it's all about the spiritual. It's connecting to source. And, and from this integrated standpoint, it's all about all of those things. <laughs> and so if we can, on the course of a day, in the course of a week, if we can look back on a week and essentially say to ourselves, I experienced these different aspects of myself, the physical, the emotional, the mental, the spiritual. And I did practices maybe to do that on purpose, or I just recognized that I did. And, and so from that standpoint, this um, recommendation is based on, we are really heavily affected right now by the collective. And so I just think of that as all the thoughts of these 8 billion or so people on this planet, and maybe the animals and maybe even the elements think, I don't know. So, I mean, what is alive and what is, what is conscious, what is, has awareness. Um, so it's this collective metaphysical energy that is affecting us on a spiritual, emotional, mental, and physical level. And so a lot of people, when I work with them, they'll say, I just have this overwhelming sadness and, and I don't know why. And actually when we check into it, we find that it isn't theirs. It actually isn't directly related to something that they've experienced that was sad. It's something that they are tapping into in this collective energy right now. And I kind of see this as waves, you know, waves on the ocean and that um, we, when this first pandemic first arose, it rose into our experience of fear. So collectively there was a lot of fear and we can kind of see that externally now this collective where that fear transitioned into a frustration and an anger. And so in the Gestalt work that I do, I often see this exact same process in the person, in the individual, where they will be a kind of a stuck, fearful place where they, even the encouragement of saying I'm angry or I'm sad is silly, sounds foolish. And so that's this fearful place that is, has more of a stuck energy to it. And then they move into a frustrated anger where it just kind of occurs and emerges out of them. And then that anger will usually transition into a deep grief or a sadness. And so I've seen us doing that. We've, we're kind of coming to the apex of that frustration and anger. And now we're moving into kind of a collective grief. And so, you know, speaking to that, I just wanted to have people and have that awareness that this is something that happens collectively and individually. And so I encourage the experience of both of those things. And also the practices are the same. So to do these very simple practices that we recommend in sessions on how to release basically these emotions and we give them away and then we integrate them into us. 
And so it's a giving away, a letting go, and an integration. And so from that standpoint, that's what I like to encourage people to do. This Jungian work has a lot to do with dreams, and we work a lot with dreams in, in session work that we do, and, and then even in the classes and collective stuff that we do as well. So um, we can pinpoint a character in the dream, and then we can acknowledge whether that dream is either visionary, which basically is usually interpreted as it actually is happening, or whether it is Jungian, whether it is a metaphor. And so the things that are showing up are metaphors and everyone in the dream is you, another aspect of you. And you kind of can gain that perspective that there's many aspects of the you-ness that you think of as you. <laughs> and so, so I like to do that from the standpoint of you are a multitude of perspectives and personas and all of these things. And the better and more psychologically balanced we are, is the acceptance of those component parts and this doing this dream work and meditation and physical activity the, the you know qigong tai chi yoga all of these practices basically create a more integrated self and i like to use that word a lot i really feel that integration is what where we're at right now as human beings so hopefully um chris that answers your question and um gives you many more questions to answer in relationship to that question because that's always my goal yeah that should that should always be it anybody who writes here you're gonna get some tools and some peace of mind and then also some more questions that you get to go and chase on your own which is awesome um do you there's this website that i think i've used since like eighth grade and it has like a dream dictionary where it like mm -hmm. kind of comes up with like what certain symbols can mean and kind of help you stitch together like if like say for, say for instance that somebody is in between sessions with you or they want to like bring some work that they like some homework that they've done on their own to you. This is like maybe a good tool for at least for that because it could at least start that um, conversation if dream analysis is something that they're um, looking for. Absolutely. Totally. And, yeah. It's called dreammoods.com. So D-R-E-A-M-M-O-O-O. No, that's too many O's. You know, <laughs> M-O-O-D-S.com. Uh, it's nice. You can just kind of, they even have like a little search box. You just put in what happened in your dream and it'll pop it up and be like, wow, that's great. Yeah. It's nice. Um, because I used to have a dream dictionary book when I was younger, like even before I found this website and it would always be like, that means you're getting money this week. And I was like, no, not like that. Right, right. Symbols me. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. And I, I do think that it, it's such an important part of our living, right? That we have this, you know, we ask this question, we sleep seven, six, eight hours a night. And, and we have to, otherwise we go insane. <laughs> and so, so it must be really important what we're doing in that sleep. And so that's one of the things that I say to people is one of the aspects of sleep, which would be kind of the theta state or the meditative state would be dreaming. And, and it is a place where you can connect into these component parts and then be able to talk. I, I do a process called uh, Tibetan dream yoga, where you can actually talk to these characters in your dream. And, and so you can learn how to do that dream wise, but we do it in a session where we'll just say, Hey, there was this red toaster in my dream and it just stood out and I didn't know what it meant. And so I have the, the individual become the red toaster to the best of their ability and do this gestalt process where they, I interview them like they're a red toaster and people are amazed at what they come up with and what they say. <laughs> and so it's a way to bring that dream life into the, into our conscious dream or awakened dream. And it really is amazing 
contextual information that is very helpful. And, and it often just is helpful to these component parts where we can gain more confidence or feel more courageous or feel more calm or compassionate or so these elements that make up who we are. That's great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Chris, for that question. Again, if you're out there and you've got a question for Kevin, we would love them. I mean, we need we need them for every episode. So please uh, f follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Again, that is at Snow Wellness, all one word, all lowercase. Um, and if you're not part of the newsletter subscription, why, why not? You should just go ahead and go to our website, snowwellness.com, and then there'll be a little pop-up window. You can sign up real easy right there. And you know what? When you do, you get a free guided meditation from Kevin too. So if you really like the second chunk of today's episode, you get another one just for joining the email list. Um, so that's, I mean, we're coming to the end. Kevin, is there some parting words and something you'd like to leave everybody with between now and next week? Yeah, definitely. I really am so blessed and grateful to be able to do this. Um, and, you know, very grateful to you, sir, for facilitating this and in the, in the um, bringing the questions. And, you know, it just works so much better. I can sit here in my office and kind of try and conceptualize things and talk to this microphone. But uh, it just really is so much easier to have a conversation. That's what I'm built to do. And so I encourage people to, if they want to have a conversation with me, to tune in to the website and find out, get a link and, uh, and check out what we do here at Snow Wellness. And it's a lot of different aspects that we're flowering out into and creating some you know recommendations and some products and things that we want to be able to help people with and say, hey, this is something I'm using and, and we can tap into that and using this platform to do that as well. And um, yeah, and I just I just wanted to express that this week we're gonna do a little thing on summer and heat. And so you know, we're gonna try and talk a little bit about how we can, like we did earlier, how we can really be more adaptive to this heat that we're experiencing and how we can accept basically that we're in these summer months and what really fits good with summer as far as matching up what we do and think and feel um, in relationship to this season. That is fantastic. All right. So that's it for this week. Uh, we will talk to you all next Tuesday. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye. All right, so for the third section today, we have a listener question. And you know what, Kevin, it's so interesting because so much of what you brought up during the meditation actually I think applies here too. So I'll read it because now, I, I mean, I, we both know the question, but the listeners don't know it. So here we go. This is from Kate, a listener. She says, hi, Kevin. I really enjoyed the discussion that you had on last week's episode about using extended stay at home time during COVID to put in extra effort to create ritual and mindfulness in the house. However, I feel like I have the exact opposite problem. I am so busy these days and I'm having a hard time remembering to carve out time for myself to do some of these exercises. Do you have any advice on how I can reset and rebuild my day to include some time and space for mindfulness? Thank you. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Kate, for that question. It's an excellent question. And we often talk about busyness. So busyness is such a great topic and how we we think about and engage with the idea of busyness. And, and so that's a difficult one. Um, I'm thinking of several friends of mine that have several children <laughs> and they're dealing with young children in the morning and they're trying to figure out, do I get up at what, three o'clock in the morning now to do my meditation? <laughs> you know, it's really not practical. And so um, one of the suggestions I made um, to a client a couple of weeks ago was, 
actually was in alignment with that, that typically we wake up in the night. And so whether it's a lot of times right around 3.30, and that mm -hmm. kind of matches the Taoist um, timetable of when um, things start to get activated, kidneys get activated, that sort of thing. So, um, and you know, this, the liver functioning basically I think is that time. If it isn't, correct me when you call in. And, um, <laughs> I try and operate in that way that uh, I have a basic knowledge of these things. But, um, but the waking up is something that I do and many people do. And we can easily fall back to sleep, but we could actually use five minutes of that to, to practice a mindfulness practice. And so I have many recommendations that I recommend to people, one of them being uh, a pranayama where we breathe into a count of four, hold for a count of six, and exhale for a count of eight. And that longer exhale creates a parasympathetic response and a relaxation. And, and oftentimes we are waking up to some kind of anxiety. And so, so that anxiety is really needing to be spoken to, I think, in today's world where you know, we are running so much mental energy in our sleep and at night our dream time is bringing subconscious stuff up and we're dealing with the stuff that's happened in our waking dream, which would be the daytime. Mm. And so, you know, this idea all culminates into this idea of busy and, and what, how can we intervene? And technically when we, when I hear that people tell me that I am busy, that means that I am at the effect of the external world. So the external world is guiding my internal process and that isn't helpful. <laughs> so no. what we try and do here with meditation is that it works the opposite that the internal calm and relaxation or the parasympathetic response guides our activity into the world, which can be active, but not necessarily busy. Mm. And so, so even that is a really important thing to reach back into and say, I could in my waking time around 3.30 in the morning, as I'm falling back to sleep, I could do this four, six, eight breath. And I could do it just until I fall back to sleep. And, and then that to me is setting up a structure that is internal. And so then when I wake, and if I'm waking to animals barking and kids coming in and just <laughs> the activity of the day, um, then I've done something prior to that that can have an internal relaxing effect, even if it was you know at 3:30, 4:30, 5:30, and and then I can wake, I can awaken with, I'm grateful for this precious human life, <laughs> and so so I like to say this when I wake up, and I and it really does put it in context as my puppy is barking and right stuff's happening. The the day has begun, <laughs> so. Um, I did a lot of traveling early on in the shamanic work that I did. And, and that essentially led me to live in other people's spaces for periods of time. And how do I still do this work, this meditative work, this shamanic practice? And so I would do a lot of this work. I would open my eyes and then I would still pretend I was asleep <laughs> and before. And I basically tell people, you have to do this work before your feet hit the floor. Mm. And so when your feet hit the floor, your day has begun. You're on to your rituals that are that day. And so for Kate, basically, it would be how can you implement a strategy of internal work that happens before your feet hit the floor? 
the other one is um, we were talking about doing a we were kind of joking around about doing an app called snoozitation <laughs> and so we were thinking like how could you logistically hook up um, the phone so that when you hit snooze it would activate me talking to you saying now just take a deep breath and <laughs> and move into that um, meditative space for five minutes ten minutes so, you know usually you know the snooze is set for a certain period of time and that's usually enough for meditation and okay. so so these things set the stage and that's what i'm encouraging kate to do right is to is to set that stage for uh, can you do something internal and can you then transition that into your day so that your day rolls over you like a wave <laughs> and disorients you as waves often do if you're in the waves and <laughs> um, which way is up and which way is down but if you have that four six eight breath in your pocket so to speak you can just do that four six eight breath so middle of work day you can go to the restroom and basically oh, i'm just gonna do four six eight breath five five times and essentially see if i can activate a parasympathetic response which then creates what we call right action. So then the action comes from this internal state that is relaxed. And so, so busyness comes from an externalized state that is forced upon the internal. And we know that that doesn't work because we don't feel good when it's happening. <laughs> and so, so that's how we can say, I'm too busy to meditate really basically means I'm way too much of the effect of my external world need a little guidance to come back into my internal state and like we talked about with anxiety and depression some of these very serious things the internal state may also be quite chaotic and so how can we use the breath which is the thing we always have to regulate that internal state and so that's that's why i'm always referring back to the breath and why all great meditation teachers do that and like we talked about with the touch and go also breath also using what's in your environment. So I have stuff on my desk here and I call them touchstones because that's really what they are. And if I start losing my footing in a session or even when we're doing this and I start getting like, oh, what am I gonna say next? <laughs> and I touch into my touchstone and that can do an internal regulation for me. And so I think that's, we talked around it a little bit. Hopefully Kate, that answered your question. <laughs> um, definitely like we we're saying here, you know, I encourage you to continue asking these questions and so you know practice this and then come back to me and say it didn't work Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> you know give me another thing right um and we can find out why and that's really always the question is what's in your environment how can we extend out our knowledge because there could be things in your environment that are impeding with feeling relaxed yeah. so we can really find those things out and then that's why I encourage setting an altar as well, because that sets an intentional space around your sleep space too. So it's yeah. these basic things that we're recommending. And, you know, you work with me, you work with me for a long period of time, which many clients do. I always say I'm a broken record on some of this stuff. <laughs> it's just, I'm going to say it every time in every podcast to, you know, do this, do that. Um, it's stuff that I do and it has definitely worked for me. And so that's what I encourage. That's awesome. I, this is so interesting that you're bringing all this up because it's just flashing me back to when I first moved to New York. And then um, I worked at the Apple store on Fifth Avenue, which is the busiest one in the whole world. And yeah, right. <laughs> totally. wild. But you would get these 15 minute breaks. Um, 
and I had this app on my phone and it's called do nothing for two minutes. And I would spend the first two minutes of my 15 minute break. You can't even, if you even pick up your phone or touch anything, it resets the two minutes. And so you just have to sit there with it it. and just, yeah, do exactly what you're, what you're saying. And two minutes is completely possible if you have, you know, like, and if, especially if if that time was going to go into putting it into your phone, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, like take that second away from your phone and get, get it going with the breathing and with these processes. And I think that that's brilliant. So that's awesome. And Kate and all the rest of the listeners, you're uh, please try this out, do some of this stuff. And uh, if it is working for you, you can always get in touch with Kevin on our social medias. We are at snow wellness, all one word, all lowercase on both Instagram and on Twitter. Uh, You can also, if you're part of our newsletter subscription, uh, community, then you are always welcome to respond directly to those emails. And uh, we get those uh, to the Gmail and Kevin sees them and responds. And also, if, if you are out there with your own questions, that we want questions from you. So please send them in. And um, just like with Kate, uh, we'll, we'll get them. Uh, so Kevin, just like we do every episode, what are some parting words that you can leave everybody with for the week? Well, I think, uh, you know, this week is it's such an important time, you know, I'm sitting in my office, it's particularly hot right now. And so, um, so I have a swamp cooler, which not, I didn't grow up with, so I'm not as used to. <laughs> so a little more humidity and there's some humidity outside. So it feels close, right? So I've got a little feeling of closeness. And I think a lot of us are experiencing that during this particular, the middle of summer time. And so that really does speak to how to be bigger. How can I be bigger than what I'm sensing or feeling? And so just knowing that you have these other opportunities to, if I feel hot, that I have an opportunity. We put a little thing in our last um, newsletter about this uh, pranayama, about breathing through the, um, the folded tongue. And, you know, it's things like that that can really just be overly simple stuff. And so the message to close today with is the overly simple is the answer. And... The more complex we get, the less likely we are to do stuff. So sometimes we'll actually make something more complicated so that we don't have to do it. <laughs> and so, so my goal basically in my own personal life and reaching out to others is simplify whatever it is that you're trying to do. Make it less time, make it less complicated, and bring it into the essence of what it is so that you can bring that back into the rest of your day. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Kevin. And thank you for listening. Uh, I hope you have a good week and we will see you next, next time. Take good care. Thank you for listening to the snow wellness podcast. If you'd like more information or you'd like to join Kevin's weekly email newsletter, please visit our website at snowwellness.com. We'll see you next week.